Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. training battalion I've been in the marine infantry for 17 years not making this video because um, it's you know potentially an emotional time making it because I have a growing discontent and contempt for my perceived ineptitude at the foreign policy level and I want to specifically ask some questions to some of my senior leaders. Stu Scheller spent 17 years as a United States Marine Corps officer, five combat deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan. To this day, Scheller remains the only person in the United States punished in any way for the debacle of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. He criticized it, they sent him to jail for it. What you believe in can only be defined by what you're willing to risk. So if I'm willing to risk my current battalion commander's seat my retirement, my family's stability to say some of the things that I want to say, I think it gives me some moral high ground to demand the same honesty, integrity, accountability from my senior leaders. The comment, sir, you wrote, some of you may be struggling with a simple question, was it all worth it? We want you to know that your service is meaningful, powerful, and important. You fought for the Marine to your left and the Marine to your right. You never let them down. But the reason people are so upset on social media right now is not because the Marine on the battlefield let someone down. That service member has always rose to the occasion and done extraordinary things. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying, we messed this up. And I'm not saying we've got to be in, the, in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and, and raise their hand and say, we did not do this well in the end. You know what? You took an oath. Yeah. And you violated that oath. Well, I disagree with that. Mm -hmm. So. I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And so we can have an academic argument about whether I broke that oath. I would submit to you that I upheld it more than all my peers who didn't do that. Uh, I mean, I, the people that disagree with me disagree with my methods, not with the content of my statements. So there's a difference there. So all the people that spoke to me were like, hey, we agree with what you said, but the manner in which you did it 
wrong way, or it's going to come at too high of a personal cost, or you're not going to make any difference. Long list of arguments, but very, I, I never even heard the argument of what he said is wrong. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. All right, Mike here with Restoring the Faith for another episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I just want to note that I am conducting this podcast in my constitutionally protected status as a private citizen, and I am very uh, honored to uh, have with us uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller. Thank you so much for joining, sir. Yeah, happy to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, you made national news when you demanded accountability from the guys at the top. Do you think that any accountability so far since your making of this uh, viral video uh, has, has occurred in any way? Yeah, that's a tough question. I think it's a long road. We didn't get to the position that we're in overnight. It was a long time in the making. The military promotion system is singularly focused on pleasing a boss. What it does is it filters out moral courage. And so we have a system that has already created 40 years of hollow officers in many ways. And so right now, even if you were to hold people accountable or, you know, go after the Vogue term woke generals, it's all uh, short duration because the people behind them are produced by the same system that has foundational issues. So my opinion is that you need strong leadership that can actually identify the real problems that aren't being currently addressed. And if you were to replace enough leadership and put people in positions where they can understand the real problems, you know, you fix the leaders, you fix the problems and, and everything else kind of self-corrects. So your question was, have I made a difference? Uh, I have a lot of opportunities. I've seen a lot of people get into political positions in this election cycle that may not have otherwise. And, um, you know, the conversation rages on. I've got a book coming out that I think will generate more conversation and then you know, I have uh, ambitions where I'm, I'm going to continue to apply pressure. So mm -hmm. this isn't something that, you know, you make a video and everything changes. Yeah. And so the, the question is difficult to answer. But, you know, I'm dedicated to spending my life making sure that uh, there is change. You've made incredible sacrifices. You you uh, lost your career, your retirement, your benefits. At mm -hmm. one point, uh, they had you in pretrial confinement, um, all for speaking your mind. Is some of that going to be included in your book, Crisis of Command? Yeah, the book's really, it's almost two parts. It's I quickly, well, not quickly, half the book, I go over my military experiences so that the reader can understand my macro discontent with the military system, because I, I believe it's foundational systemic problems that need to be addressed. You know, I got famous by saying I demand accountability, but again, accountability just addresses, hey, you failed, but it doesn't really address the root problems of why failure consistently happens. So I spent half the book talking about that, but then the other half of the book is just a very personal, real, raw story that I went through when I posted that first video. And you brought up, I went to jail. I mean, my mental health was questioned. I was slandered, uh, every dirty trick in the book. And I, I feel like that that micro story reinforces the macro indictment that I have for the military system. So I think it's a book that a lot of people um, are going to be personally relatable to and also learn something. And so I, I'm really proud of it. What was, what was the thing that surprised you the most 
um, in your ordeal when you were dealing with your chain of command? Was it, was it the speed with which they fired you? Was it the vigor with which they prosecuted you? Was it the, the, the deaf ears, you know, in terms of macro changes? What, what were the most surprising aspects of your ordeal? I mean, yes, all of that. You, you played the audio clip where I obviously in the first video had thought about it. I anticipated that I might get fired. I anticipated that my retirement and my family's stability was at risk for making that video. But, you know, I didn't when I made that first video that you played, I didn't anticipate making any further statements. <clears throat> the reason I did is because the military fired me very quickly without an investigation Previous bosses that I had started slandering and heckling me. I was told I was going to move to Quantico to sit in a, a cubicle to await further legal action. And I just came to a decision that like, I have a choice. After this first video, I can apologize, submit, and remain quiet. Mm -hmm. Or I can go all in and continue to say, no, I'm right. You're not addressing the content of my statements that's what's most important. That's why I made the video initially. And let's see where this goes. Obviously, I chose the second option and it just continued to escalate from there. Your chain of command uh, took some extraordinary measures in, in your view um, while they were uh, prosecuting you. Like, for example, uh, I believe you were held in pretrial confinement, but isn't that normally reserved for people who are like a danger to fellow service members or a danger to themselves? I mean, for, for making a LinkedIn video, I mean, it, it seems extraordinary. Yeah, I addressed that in the book. I, 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 when I went to jail, the final straw that broke the camel's back on that, I made a final post violating the gag order and I, essentially baited them and said, I'm ready to go to jail to see if they would send me to jail. But there was a lot of reasonings behind that. I lay them out in the book. It was actually rational, disguised in emotion. But I had read the UCMJ and they didn't have the legal authority to send me to jail or the, or the manual for court marshals as mm -hmm. I interpreted it. Um, the way they justified it was they wrote that I was a flight risk on the paperwork, which was you know blatantly false. I didn't anticipate them to lie on the paperwork. To, to justify my imprisonment, but they did and, and they control the rules when they're in charge. And so that's part of the game. Uh, you know, part of me anticipated it. I wanted to continue to illustrate their hypocrisy mm -hmm. and in a way they fell into the trap by, you know, lying on the documents to send me to jail because they were upset with what I was saying. You were on the cover of Marine Corps times. You were big time news. You were on Tucker Carlson, you national news. Did you anticipate that you would become an overnight uh, Marine Corps celebrity, sort of the and almost the antithesis of some of the officers who were involved in, you know, in, in some of the sham stuff before Congress with Trump and all that? I mean, you're, you were like kind of the antithesis of those guys. Yeah, first of all, for the Marine Corps Times, there was an article written by a journalist that was very positive to me. And the Marine Times did not want to publish it. And they eventually published it, but they sought out the author of that article, the unmaking of Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, mm -hmm. basically write a counterpoint to round out their positions on me because they felt like I was getting too much positive press. And that guy that wrote positive press on me ended up having, he, he quit because my situation ultimately illustrated the hypocrisy of his own editors and the own, his own system. Now in the Marine Times defense, they've since published an op-ed that I submitted to him. And so, you know, everyone, you know, 
the whole organization can't be characterized by a couple editors, but um, I kind of felt like that article was their attempt to say we're not supporting Lieutenant Colonel Scheller because they require media from the military and they didn't want to seem too comfortable supporting, you know, the way the method in which I handled the situation. And that kind of goes across the board for the media. So the media is a tool that's out there and the military has figured out how to weaponize it. And it's very hard for one guy to attack the system. I mean, when I initially made my statements, the military, the entire DOD did stand down training in small groups to address why what I did was inappropriate, right? Shaping the minds of every military member. They put out orders stating that they couldn't like, share, or read my content. Again, weaponizing thoughts uh, so that they can shape what they believe to be true. And so... You know, your initial question was, did I expect all of that? No, I, I never expected all that. Quite honestly, when I posted that first video, one of my big concerns was I'm going to post it. It's not going to get any traction, but I'm still going to get fired, right? You know, like 50 likes and 30 shares. Is that worth throwing mm-hmm. your career away? Um, I never anticipated it to get as big as it did. But right. it, it got as big as it did because I tapped into a very large sentiment. A leader of any organization, when a mid-level commander or a mid-level manager, which is essentially what I was, addresses a problem that is widely shared by the organization, I agree you should discipline them for breaking any rules that they may have done for publicly addressing it. But then any leader with common sense would either take that individual that he disciplined or by himself go around the organization and address the sentiment of the failures that you know I addressed initially. But, mm-hmm. but instead... They try to just silence me and pretend like those issues didn't exist, further exacerbating the distrust of the system. I mean, it's it's quite honestly just indicative of my original indictment, which is we have senior leaders lacking any type of moral courage. One of those senior leaders who took the extraordinary step of putting you in jail uh, for making a YouTube video is this man, Lieutenant Colonel Kevin Iams. He continues to serve as the commanding general of of one of the major uh, commands in the in the Marine Corps. He's a three-star general. It looks like he was rather vindictive when he went after you. Is that a fair assessment? You know, General Iams is just a company man. I never had any action with the guy other than him endorsing, you know, everything. But the convening authority was really General Alford. He's my training command, CG. Uh, Kevin Iams is the training and education command. General Imes essentially just rubber stamped everything that General Alford said. Now, what the conversations were between Imes and Alford, I have no idea. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, Alford was the guy that didn't stand up for me in in any form or fashion, that authorized my imprisonment, that he uh, authorized the investigation to have my medical records in it, and then either through uh, purposefully or negligence, released my medical records to task and purpose. Um, You know, so... Yeah, I looked at the generals and, and, you know, I I requested masks to General Alford and he denied them Mm -hmm. uh, and he wouldn't give me an audience. And, you know, just through and through just demonstrated uh, what my assessment is, is they they lack any type of courage. Yeah. And the the subject of the main subject of some of your uh, criticisms uh, was was this man, uh, retired General McKenzie, who at the time was in charge of what uh, we, we just call shorthand as CENTCOM, uh, Central Command, which includes Afghanistan. He was part of the, part of the bungled uh, withdrawal. Um, he's retired. He has all of his benefits. Um, he has a lifetime of benefits, and his children will all go to service academies, I'm sure. 
But you, on the other hand, you've been stripped of everything. Um, how do you square that? Well, you square it by beating them at their own game, which I plan to do. Um, but to your your point, the the despite what anyone says, the message is clear. Speaking out in the military is not tolerated while losing wars is tolerated. And as <laughs> ironic as that is, that's the truth of the matter. And again, drives to the foundational problems within our American military that no one is addressing. Do you think that America has the will to win a war in the future? I mean, we really haven't won anything since since losing Vietnam, right? And we haven't we haven't really declared war on a country. We've we've been, we've we haven't Congress hasn't declared war. Do you, do you think that that will change in the future, or do, are we going to continually be engaged in these protracted engagements in which the president unilaterally sends troops somewhere and then it lasts for generations? I think the American will to fight is dependent on what war should be about, which is protecting vital interests of the United States. When we have wars that, you know, clean up a imminent threat within the first couple of months, and then we spend decades trying to build governments, the American people grow impatient very quickly because they're smart enough to realize that there's not a vital threat to America. Mm -hmm. Now, should we have left some type of presence in Afghanistan so that it didn't completely implode? Absolutely. We still have them in Korea. We still have them all over Europe. Um, so there's no reason we couldn't have left a, a contingent there to, you know, prop up all the sacrifices that service members placed into Afghanistan. Um, or quite honestly, even if the decision was made to pull them all out, just having a plan based on any type of rational thought or competency would have yeah. been at least a second fiddle. But, it, you know, so I think it's a cop out to say it's the American people's will of why we're losing wars. The reason we're losing wars is because four star generals can't connect policy objectives with military policy mm -hmm. to achieve some type of end state that's appeasing and to be able to declare victory. I mean, in Afghanistan, in the initial gambit, Task Force 58 led by General Mattis had the ability to go into the Tora Bora region and kill Osama bin Laden and win the war. Rumsfeld, with misguided place in special forces, chose to, to not do that. And then, as ignorant as possible, we started a war on a second front in Iraq and then found ourselves fighting a war in two fronts. I mean, so to then go back and say, well, it's the American people's will because after two decades, uh, we, we didn't do what was needed to win. no. There was abilities to win the war. There was abilities to achieve political end states, but our senior general officers failed and we've mm -hmm. never held any of them accountable. In fact, we lionize them. We, we offer them board member positions at the oligopoly of firms yeah. driving inefficiencies in the war machine. Today, uh, breaking news out of uh, all the branches of the military, but especially the Army and the Marine Corps are falling short on their recruiting numbers. Uh, having a hell of a time trying to get young men and women to raise the right hand. Um, some of that, I think, is due to COVID. Some of that, I think, is potentially due to wokeism and leftism. Um, and some of that, I think, is due to, you know, the the desperate search for quotas. You know, we, we have to have a military, as they say, that represents the people. We can't just get the most qualified people from wherever they come. And if that's a bunch of good old boys from the South, then sign them up, right? 
Um, the Army is going to fall short 28,000 in their recruiting numbers. The Marine Corps has a similar percentage shortfall on recruiting. Um, our all-volunteer force is, um, is at risk. What, do you, what are you seeing in those numbers? Yeah, it's a complex problem. So there is no, you know, there's a million factors into the reasons why. But just to address a couple of things you said there. So number one, wokeism, woke generals is the vogue term right now. But I think it, you know, you know it misdiagnoses the root problem. The root problem is we have a promotion system singularly focused on pleasing a boss for a subjective evaluation. That's how you get promoted in the military. Mm-hmm multiply that by 40 years, which is what it takes to be a general officer. And what the system creates is people that want to impress their boss for 40 years. Not a lot of moral courage remains at the end of that system. So what we've created is 40 year men that have pleased bosses for the entire time. So wokeism exists because it was a political initiative at the time. But the real problem is that we have general officers that will acquiesce any political whim of the time because they have been conditioned to please their boss at the expense of warfighting capability. There are times when we need general officers to look at the political whim of the time and say that is going to degrade warfighting performance and make some type of moral stand. But they have demonstrated through action that they are incapable of that. And I believe the recruitment problems... You know, there's many reasons leading to that, but it's pretty obvious to look at the mistakes of our senior leaders, see how flimsy they are when anything is asked of them by politicians. And the fact that they haven't won a war since World War II, it becomes very hard for people to want to join the military. Mm. COVID is just another symptom of the same thing. You know, whatever your, your opinion is about the vaccination, quite honestly, to me, is irrelevant. What is relevant is to see all these service members discharged after two decades of war for anything less than honorable is criminal. But again, our senior military leaders have no backbone and are willing to do whatever politicians are asking of them at the expense of a greater and more effective military. So, you know, why is the military having a hard time recruiting? Well, it seems pretty simple. The solution to it, though, is more complicated. Yeah, why do you think that you were you were alone in in taking a stand? I mean, I, I agree with you that the American public was disgusted by what they saw. Um, the administration promised that there wouldn't be people standing on building tops, you know, waiting for helicopters to save them. That's exactly what happened. Um, you know, the 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 precipitous withdrawal out of Afghanistan. You said we don't need to be there forever. No one wanted to be there forever, but at least close up shop correctly. Why were you the only one, though? No one else on active duty, it, it seemed like. And maybe, maybe there were some that you're aware of that I, that I never saw. But did you feel extremely alone when you, when you took your stand? Yes. I mean, I've never been so alone. Everyone that was close to me turned on me. I, I was literally alone. Um, you know, then when you put yourself in a solitary confinement, though, <laughs> uh, it really brings walls on you. But in moments like that, you have two choices, you know, you, you allow it to break you down or you allow it to make you even stronger. And I just decided that I, I wasn't going to be broken and that I was going to impose my will on the system. The system wasn't going to impose its will on me. 
You did so at great personal cost. My understanding is that it's cost you greatly your marriage um, and, and, and other things. You don't have necessarily have to go into all the personal sacrifices that you've made, but I just want to acknowledge them on this podcast that you, you knew some of the risks going in, but perhaps, you know, do you feel like maybe you underestimated uh, some of the risks in retrospect? Yeah. I mean, when I said family stability, I just assumed that, Again, I, I, I knew if I got fired, I'd probably end up in Quantico. And so I meant stability in terms of house. I, I honestly didn't think I'd end up in a divorce over it. But, you know, it's hard to even articulate the pressure that was on that situation. I mean, sometimes people will go back in some of my videos and, and pull out just like three or four words. and want to use that against me without any context of the gravity of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. My wife experienced it too. My wife's been 17 years of deployments, managing kids herself and had the kids leaving the playgrounds crying, people ridiculing them because I was in jail. She was getting death threats, media showing up to the house. And I was out doing things without really consulting her and, and the pressure of it just kind of broke the situation. But, you know, I still have a lot of love for her. She's the mother of my children. I'm still have a good relationship with her. But I think really the reason we decided to separate in the end was just because the situation illustrated that I wasn't going to stop and I was continuing to move forward and, and she wanted to be on a different path. And so we, we went separate ways. Can you give us your thoughts on uh, the U S involvement so far in the conflict in Ukraine, uh, what you see potentially coming down the pike from this administration and what you think actually the, the, the proper uh, path forward is on that one? Yeah, I, I think Russia was emboldened by the choices that we made in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. I think right now the current combatant commander is an Air Force general. He was given that position because we wanted to be fair and give an Air Force general the combatant command. We don't have a real warfighter in charge. You don't even see that guy in the news. They try to hide him. Uh, another example of uh, fairness over performance. Uh -huh. uh, I think most of NATO over the last 60 years has crippled our European partners. Uh, Germany, there is no better example. I think in many ways, Putin's actions may backfire because you look at uh, Sweden and Finland looking to join NATO. That could be uh, really very counter to his initial objectives. But I do think Putin is going to at least annex most of the eastern part of Ukraine I think Zelensky was asleep at the wheel. I don't think he prepared tunnels, prepared effectively. Everyone wants to make Zelensky a hero because he has stood up against Russia. And so it's hard to hear criticism of him. Mm -hmm. But I mean, in 2006, if you study the Israeli-Lebanese conflict, the um, Hezbollah destroyed Israel with greater, Israel had much greater armored assets, but they did it because they had a tunnel system and were able to effectively use anti-tank weapons. There's no tunnels on the border with Russia. I mean, quite honestly, Ukraine had seven, eight years, if you go back to the 2014 incidents, to, to prepare themselves. And they were so focused on economic security and, and integrating into the global environment that they forgot a time-tested uh, reality of realism and what military power can do to change the landscape. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that. You know, even in our schools today, I grew up with teachers telling me violence was the never the answer. Yeah. I grew up in military education systems where military professors always told me Americans needed to fight 
wars with the ethical high ground. Um, I think the just war theory is wrong. I think, um, you know, I acknowledge people fighting for a side fight harder when they believe they're on the just side of war. But right now America fights long wars, um, wasting resources all in in the name of justice, which really doesn't serve the interest of the junior service member. And so I, you know, to, to, to whoever you decide is the good guy, bad guy, that's a perspective. But ultimately, the strong force wins, bottom line. Mm-hmm. And, and Russia is demonstrating that to the world right now. If I was the president, I would not be uh, giving the 40, 80, 100, the number just keeps going up, billions of dollars to Ukraine. Um, that's I, That money could be spent better other places. I'm not saying that um, there's not utility in Ukraine pushing back on Russia. Obviously, there is. What I'm saying is that money that we're giving them, the utility could be better spent other places. It's a choice. And that's not the greatest priority right now. And so, you know, those are my opinions on that. Copy. And when you layer in the corruption and the fact, you know, how many of those 40 billion, how many billions are going to end up in Zelensky's personal uh, bank account? Oh, yeah. The first 40 billion. 15 billion was straight off the books to the hands of those people that I'm sure actually then came back to the United States politicians that authorized it. I mean, it's, it's dirty. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's a sick business. Your website is called authentic Americans.com. It's scrolling at the bottom of the screen. The book is called crisis of command. Uh, the book can be found on Amazon, but is there a better way to buy it a way that helps you out more? Now, Amazon's probably the the single shop. September 6th, it'll come out in Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, uh, Walmart.com, all the places. The military exchanges are are kind of pushing back right now. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> military exchanges We're hoping they do, quite honestly, but uh, that's the only question mark. But yeah, you can order on Amazon.com. It's already done a couple thousand pre-order. I think it's going to do really well. I mean, it's a great book, quite honestly. And so I, I'm excited for everyone to read it. Did you name it? I had to ask all brand new officers going through the basic school have to read this book called passion of command. Is that why you named this crisis of command? Is this? I mean, I have read passion of command, but no, I didn't. That wasn't completely the the origination of it. I mean, it was just, you know, there was a lot of talk of commander in chief. I felt like I was in a crisis. I feel like America was in a crisis and it just fit. All right, so we can pre-order it and get it in September. I'm going to order my copy, and you say Amazon is the best place to do that. Sir, final question. Uh, what are your plans for the future? What do you want to do with all of this? So you've, 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 you've certainly lost your military career. They've stripped you of your benefits. You have no retirement. You've made huge personal sacrifices. How are you going to leverage this into something going forward? What's your next play? Yeah, I, I'm not a victim. I made choices. I have a lot of opportunities. Starting in a week, I hit the road, and I'm really on the road until Christmas. I mean, it's crazy. I am completely booked up. I'll release some of those details through my social media and my website of where I'm traveling to do book signings and speeches and and all that. And then it'll calm down after the holiday season. I'm moving back to Ohio. I'm going to assess the landscape, and bottom line is I'm going to beat these guys at their own game. There's foundational issues in the military that need to be fixed that are not being addressed. And we need to put leaders in place courageous enough to address those problems. What that means for me, I haven't figured it out yet. 
Well, my hat's off to you. And on behalf of, of my whole audience, uh, I think I can say that we're definitely behind you in this next chapter of your life. So please keep us informed and feel free to come back on uh, the channel at any point. Will do. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thank you, sir. God bless you. And uh, that is it for us here. Mm -hmm.